0: be your holy name blessed be your holy name hallelujah amen amen as our kids church is dismissed we can go uh to the word of the lord romans uh 1 and 16 and 17 are key verses for this study of the entire book of romans for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ it is the power of god unto salvation to everyone that believeth the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. From Abraham's faith all the way to our faith. Amen. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Turn to you few people and greet them in the name of the Lord. And you may be seated tonight. Amen. Righteous Romans, part 6. And it is Righteous Romans because Paul uh, wrote to the righteous saints in Rome, uh, as we can tell at the end of the chapter in his salutations, as he's naming people by name and mentioning churches. Uh, so we know that they have already obeyed the the gospel. Uh, in Acts 2.38, and the basic uh Tendence of of the apostolic faith, and so we know that he doesn't need to preach to them. They they need to repent of their sins and go through all that because they've already done that. Uh, and so he leaves behind uh, the milk, if you will, the the easy stuff, and he goes into the 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 meatier things of the, the word of God and explaining really a, a good in depth part of salvation, uh, man's need for salvation, and how we are justified and. Uh, sanctified and what all that God is doing in uh, his plan with the human race. And he introduces uh, this problem in in chapter 1 about explaining how the Gentiles, how they've messed up, names all kinds of sins and they're guilty of it and they they need a savior. And in chapter 2, the Jews, they also aren't any better either. They've committed many of the same things, so they have no right to judge the Gentiles uh, even though the Jews had the law, they, uh, more responsibility is given to them because they, they know better. And so the conclusion of the matter is that no matter who you are, Jew or Gentile, chapter 3, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. We all need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ And he moves on, moving on in the vein, uh, he illustrates that the uh, chapter 4, there's the law of Moses does not have the power to save or declare anybody righteous. Uh, He gives examples of Abraham and David, how they, apart from the law, outside of the law, were declared righteous and saved. Uh, So the law doesn't have the teeth that the Jews thought it did. Uh, And so... uh, it's through the, the faith that God works in each individual's life. Chapter 5, he, he explained all many of the blessings about being justified in the eyes of God, standing there as if we've never sinned before. That's what it means to be justified, and we, we understand the severity and depth of that because we surely can name all kinds of sins that we've committed in our life, but God to look at us and say, you're innocent, I declare you righteous, we know that we're not worthy of that, and that alone uh, alone drives us to praise him and to worship him because of what he has done and is doing in our life. And, and, and so in chapter 6, he says, because of this, uh, believers should not sin, God forbid that we should sin. After all that God has done and the grace he's extended to us, um, and, and so God forbid that we would continue to live in sin, but yet we should die out to that. We should not be alive to that things, those things anymore. And, and then in chapter 7, he, he explains how uh, the power of sin uh, cannot be overcome through the law that was given. Uh, or the flesh that we have our natural abilities cannot overpower this law of sin and corrupted nature that we have and so we needed something that to help us out uh, and that's where we talked about last week in chapter 8 of the, about the spirit of God how that really uh, new life in Christ Jesus and empowers us to be that man or woman God is calling us to be because uh, what, what kind of just God would call us to such a calling, uh, but know that we don't have the ability to get there on our own and say, well, good luck trying. God says, I'll give you everything. I'll do everything for you. I'll go and die for your sins. I'll pay the price. I'll give you my spirit uh, so that you can do what I'm calling you to do. And so we are now without excuse to not do, uh, not be able to do what God is calling us, because what else can God do? What more can he do for mankind than to die and to give us his spirit? It's not like he rented out some kind of uh, lesser spirit and said, here, work with this. No, he gave us his spirit. The same spirit that spoke these worlds into existence resides inside of us. And so we have that access to that power. And so we are without excuse of why we cannot live above sin and do what God has called us to do. And, And so... He's uh, done so much for us uh, that uh, Paul in chapter 8 says that we are a debtor. Uh, We talked about that a little bit last week, a debtor. Uh, A debtor not to the flesh because the flesh hasn't done anything to us but brought us down. But we are a debtor uh, to the Spirit of God because it has done everything for us. It's pulled us out of that miry clay, placed our feet on a solid foundation, and established our goings, gives us the power to make the right choices and over sin and this nature that we have. Uh, and so we owe Him everything because of that, don't we? Uh, and so either we're going to give our all to Jesus. Or we're going to give our all to sin and the devil. It's really, there's no really middle ground there. Uh, because if we give our all to ourself, we in essence are serving sin and the devil because we are corrupted beings in the beginning. And so, uh, so if we choose the latter, choose to serve ourselves and sin and the devil to live the life we want to live here in this earth, um, then in the end we will owe a sin payment. We will be, uh, we are a debtor, uh, debtor, and we will be guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ because he came and died for our sins, and we chose to live in sin. Therefore, it nullifies it, it and it cancels out that death, and uh, God died for nothing. And so he's not going to be happy about that, uh, and so those who do not obey the word of God will be guilty of, of that, uh, and, and so... On the other choice, we we can choose to give our all to Jesus, to believe in him and what he's done for us. And then he says, well, then your debt payment, your debt is is paid for. Your sin debt is paid for because I paid for it. And so uh, uh, then we get to rule and reign with him in heaven and, and, and the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and, and so really, if people slow down and with their busy lives and just lay everything out on the table, lay out both sides, the pros and cons of everything, just take a minute, take a week, take a month of of our life to sit there, let's figure this out, Uh, it's not a hard choice to make, is it? But yet so many people, wide is the gate that leads to destruction because many people don't want to hear it. They don't want to do that. They don't want to change. They don't want to submit to it. But uh, I'm thankful for the grace and mercy of God that he says, hey, here's an opportunity to come and to to pay everything, to lay everything down at the cross. And Jesus will take care of everything. And and he declares us righteous and all that. uh, It's not a hard choice to make. And we are debtors because of that. And after talking about how the Spirit makes us children of God and, and joint heirs with Christ, all of the promises and all the blessings of the elect of God because they chose to obey the gospel and God's word, um, Paul then spends the rest of chapter 8, as we talked about, uh, talking about suffering. The, the words we don't really want to talk about as a believer suffering, any kind of those adjectives, synonyms, suffering, persecution, tribulation, pain, sorrow, all of these things, we don't want to hear that. We're just looking for uh, And so that's what we keep our eyes on. And then when the suffering and everything else happens, we're, we're taken aback uh, by, by all that. And, and so, But Paul says, really, if we want to rule and reign with him, which we will if we are faithful to the end, uh, if we want to rule and reign and share in his inheritance that he did all the work for, and we just kind of show up and say, hey, where's, what, what do I get? Uh, he did all the work, and so if we want to enjoy that aspect uh, of, of Christ, then we all, must also be okay in sharing with his suffering, because he too suffered. He suffered before he reigned. Uh, and, and so... Uh, we can't just pick and choose. That's a problem that creates uh, issues for ourselves when we pick and choose. I'm just focusing on the good and the blessed life and the, the, the blessings and nothing negative or bad or whatever happened and all these things. Which, uh, again, we're setting ourselves up for a big crash, aren't we? Uh, because it rains on the just and the unjust and uh, a part of this life, we're going to suffer. We're going to face persecution, especially being followers of Jesus Christ, because if they killed him, uh, who are we to this world? Uh, if they'll take out the leader, then they'll most certainly take out the followers. Uh, and so we can't go through life with our head in the sand, expect, not expecting anything bad to happen. But, but Paul says if we are going to suffer and face persecution, which we will uh, to some degree in this life, uh, that means that we are also identifying with Jesus Christ in his suffering. Uh, And so to suffer and be persecuted and going through all that uh, should be something that the born-again believer is ready to face whenever it comes. And whatever way it comes. Uh, Because Jesus suffered and we want to be like him, right? And and so it should change our perspective on what hardships we face and and the meaning behind them. That we should... uh, we're, we're not necessarily going to love them and embrace them with open arms. Oh, persecution, you're finally here. Been waiting for you. Uh, but uh, when it does come or whatever hardship comes, we should see them more as an, an opportunity or an instrument to help us to be more like Christ. Because if he suffered, then we should suffer with him as well if we're going to reign with him. And so by going through this, whatever it is, and dealing with whatever suffering it may be, we are identifying with Christ in some way, some form or fashion. And so it's not all bad, it's, it's good. Uh, because we, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It may not be clear to us right now, but but again, we don't walk by sight, do we? We don't walk by the way we see things. We walk by the spirit and we walk by faith. So it may not understand, we may not understand it. We may not be able to see how it's going to work out, but we have to trust in God and the word of God and our faith in him that somehow good is going to come out of this. And and if and if if whatever suffering we face, we happen it happens to kill us. That's not a bad thing, because that means to, to to be with him, right, on the other side. To be absent in body is to be present with the Lord. How is that a bad thing? Uh, and so, uh, chapter eight of Romans really kind of help realign our perspective of of reigning with him, and also the suffering aspect. Uh, Because it all goes hand in hand and it comes down to, uh, it all comes down to the gospel and our obedience to it uh, because we are filled with the spirit of God which changes everything. That's the pivot point in our life that, that changes everything. And so that is why everyone must believe in it and obey it. Whether Jew or Greek, whether bond or free, whether male or female, we've all become one in Christ. And so since that is Paul's main argument for the entire book of Romans, uh, the next few chapters, chapters 9, 10, and 11, uh, Paul is preemptively talking about the the big elephant in the room, um, and that is if... If justification in the eyes of God comes by faith, and faith causes one to obey the gospel and to be saved, then what? What in the world? What about Israel? The big elephant in the room is what about the nation of Israel? Uh, because they rejected whatever Jesus was saying, uh, they killed Jesus, they crucified him, they rejected the gospel. And so basically everything that Paul has been talking about for the past eight chapters, the Jews have done the opposite. And so that begins at the, the question, If okay, Paul, if what you're saying is true, the gospel uh, is for everybody. You don't need to worry uh, about the law and adhere to that like they used to because the gospel fulfills all that. Jesus fulfilled all that. If we don't got to do all that and, and worry about that anymore, what about the nation of Israel? Because everybody knows they they didn't do any of that stuff, and they obviously killing Jesus put an end to their questions if they believed it or not. Uh, and so, what now is is this the only way? And if if salvation uh, is this what salvation looks like, then then what now? What about Israel? Because we we know that they're not they're not grabbing a hold of this, and obviously this is. Uh, I forget when Romans was written, but it was written at least 20 years after the crucifixion of Jesus, after 20 years after the church, and he's still talking about these issues, uh, you know, in the mid-century. Uh, and so, obviously, the, the Jews haven't grabbed a hold of this. Uh, and so that is the big elephant in the room. If, if, if the doctrine of justification by faith is not something new... That Paul is trying to point out to them, hey, this is nothing new I'm talking about. Uh, be, but it was based in the Old Testament um, and in, on, uh, on Abraham. Remember he mentioned Abraham in chapter 4 that, hey, he's justified by faith. And so what I'm preaching now today is no different than what Abraham did. His faith saved him and our faith saves us. Uh, it's just different time periods, uh, what was required of those days uh, and so that's why uh, we know that um, if Abraham was alive today, there'd be no question he'd be in an apostolic church because faith is faith. And he had faith back then, his faith today. Would he be here in a pew or preaching or whatever, he would be here because his faith is, is what caused him to be obedient to the word of God. And, and so, um, and so if, if being justified in the eyes of God doesn't come through the law, like they were thinking, but it comes through faith. And it's been that way since Abraham, since before the law was given, then, then, then why were God's chosen people, why was Israel, why did they not believe it? Why did they not receive it? Why did they not obey it? If, if it's always kind of been like that, if that's really been the main message uh, of God and his word and his law, is to to believe in me with your whole heart, and uh, the law, you'll fulfill the law. Uh, And and so why didn't the nation of Israel do it? Why didn't they see it? Why didn't they believe it and live by it if this is really the main message? Uh, And we can identify with that type of question because we have the same question today. If the Bible teaches that you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, and you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, evidence and speaking in other tongues, and it talks about the oneness of God and teaching all that, then why do the majority of churches not do that or recognize that or believe that or, or receive that or live by it? You see, we have the same type of question as they did back then. If the Jew, Why did the Jews do it? And, and here today, why, why aren't the churches preaching the same thing? It's, it's clearly in the Bible. It's clear to us. Uh, And so, uh, he goes on and begins to talk about this in uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I wish that myself were accursed from Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul saying, He's got such a burden for the nation of Israel that if it was possible, he himself would say, I'll be be cursed by God if Israel can be saved. If Israel would just wake up and see it. I would would sacrifice my life for my brethren, for the nation of Israel to wake up and to see uh, really who Jesus is. Talk about uh, uh, unconditional love. Unconditional. Paul would... Paul would be accursed if he can save other people that's that's the his love and desire uh, for uh, people to be saved and I guess that we got to ask ourselves that question uh, would we would we be okay being accursed if people can be saved out there and that's really something to chew on for a long time because that's quite the statement there isn't it Uh, and so, verse 4, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises? Everything. They've got everything. Everything was given to them. Um, and, uh, verse 5, whose are the fathers, and of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever, amen, um. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. And so if you want to stir up a hornet's nest, which Paul just did, uh, you start saying things like that, that not every Israelite is an Israelite, is a real Israelite. Just because they could sit down and, and point to their family tree and trace their lineage all the way back to Abraham's toes, uh, Paul is saying that doesn't mean anything in the kingdom of God. God is not impressed with pedigrees or with family names or family heritage or or possessions. The one thing that moves God is faith. Because without faith it is impossible to please God. And so that is what Paul is getting back at. You can trace your family all the way back to Abraham and that's great. But the question is, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about the gospel? That's what really matters here. Uh, Paul is saying answers to those questions matter more than family lineage which is the Jews are all about, what tribe are you from, and trace it all back. They, they get caught up in all that stuff, and they missed out on the message, and missed out on faith, and uh, they killed their Messiah. And so uh, uh, he's addressing the, the status of Israel, how, man, they've had everything, the promises and the blessings and the fathers and the law of God, everything, and yet they missed it. And so the question is, what about Israel? Verse 7, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall the seed be called. And so, uh, again, just because you're a child of Abraham doesn't mean anything, he also had another child named Ishmael. They too call, Israel, they, they too call Abraham daddy. Uh, so just because Abraham's your father doesn't mean anything. Again, we, we see Jesus getting into that with the, uh, uh, the Pharisees. Uh, they say, well, uh, Abraham's our father, and he, he says, well, you know, you're the sons of Belial. You're, you're the devil's kids because you're, you're of the flesh. You don't believe. And, and so that just leaves you stuck in carnality. He's trying to give you a way to uh, live a life above that, but they reject that. And so uh, that's, that's where the things stand. In verse 8, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. To tell an Israelite he's not the child, not a child of God, that's, that's not going to go over well. But the children of the promise are accounted for the seed. And so someone who is an Israelite by birth, uh, a natural born Israel, Israelite, does not make them a spiritual Israelite. And that's what Paul is getting at, pointing at. Hey, there's a big difference here between somebody who's just naturally born into this and somebody who actually believes and is actually a child of God uh, because that requires faith and, and faith in Christ Jesus. And so uh, so what do you do when your chosen people, when they don't believe in you, when you've given them everything, promises and, and the word, your word and all these things and uh, prophets and, and uh, blessings. What do you do when your chosen people do not believe in you or do not uh, they do not do what you ask them to do. Well, you go and find somebody who will. You go and find a people that will worship you and, and live for you and uh, will believe and someone who will follow your ways, right? Uh, Romans 9, 24, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Uh, verse 25, as he saith in Hosea, Hosea uh, I will call them my people, which were not the Gentiles. Old Testament uh, prophecy saying, hey, the Jews ain't going to love me. I'll go find somebody who will love me. And he turns to the Gentiles, and so so be it. Here we are, uh, the people that are were not the people of God, but now we are called the people of God. Amen, what, a, what another reason to give God praise and to bless his name because now we are called the people of God when we know that, hey, this was not, this was not about us. This was even showed up. Uh, and so verse 26, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. And so uh, as it turns out, to the shock of Israel, that the promises of God were never intended for Israel only, but God was saying, hey, anybody, whosoever will, I'll accept you. Uh, the Jews got a chip on their shoulder and thinking that they this was everything for them. And uh, I think it was intentionally, but they missed it. They missed the message. Uh, and so they failed on the, the, the purpose uh, that they were to be, a kingdom of priests to the, to the, to the world. Uh, they were to reach the world, evangelize the world. What does a priest do? It stands between uh, a sinner and God. And so the nation was to be a nation of priests, to go out and, and witness the world and, and bring the world to him. Uh, but they failed on that. And so, um, but whosoever will, the promises of God are for the true children of God, and that is determined by those who walk and live by faith. That's what determines what a child of God is. Uh, Because you remember we talked about uh, Rahab the harlot? She wasn't an Israelite, was she? She was a a heathen sinner. And and yet, she had more faith than an entire generation of Israel, uh, Israelis did. Uh, And so God said, hey, I like her faith. I want her in my kingdom, and so let her in. Uh, That's the type of faith that my people should have, but it's found in a Gentile, a heathen sinner. Uh, And so he was so impressed by Rahab's faith that he said, I'm going to insert her into the royal bloodline, and Israel's greatest kings will come from a Gentile ancestor, just because she believed. And so in actuality, uh, 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 God's rejection of Israel was not just because of, of not a good reason. It was due to Israel's unbelief and their stubbornness. They God rejected them, that His people, because they wouldn't believe. I mean, when, when you can only do so much for somebody, you just gotta. At some point, you gotta cut it off and say, "Let's, we're moving on." Uh, and, and so. Uh, that's what he did, but God was just in his actions because time and time again, how many times does God send, send prophets to them and they kill the prophets because they don't like what he's saying? Uh, and so God's given them chance after chance after chance and every opportunity, but when it came down to it, they crucified the Messiah. and And so... The big elephant in the room. What about Israel? Because everybody knows they ain't following all this stuff you're teaching. Uh, And so Romans 9.30, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have now attained a righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. Uh, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained the law of righteousness. They didn't even live by the law. Uh, and so, verse thirty-two. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, they didn't. Law, they didn't walk by faith, but as it as it were the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. And so, uh, it never got into their heart. Uh, they just like let me. It became a checklist: do this, do this, do this, do this. And when you have a checklist of things. When it applies to the word of God, it really doesn't mean much. Because after you do all those things a few times, it just becomes another check mark. Uh, And so it never gets down and stays in their heart and you you live by faith. And so verse 33, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be uh, ashamed. And so here, insert, here comes the Messiah. Uh, What are you going to do about Jesus do you believe in him or not? And it becomes that stumbling stone because Jesus fulfilled everything about the law, and if you're that uh, zealous about the law, then you should accept Jesus no matter what because that's everything the law points to, and he's fulfilled in that. Um, so when you, you cut down the Messiah, guess what? It becomes a stumbling block, and you're going to trip and fall over that as Israel uh, did and is still kind of, Stumbling, they haven't gotten up from that yet. Uh, verse moving into chapter 10: Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I mean, he's, he's an Israelite, so he, it's his own people, and that's his desire. Israel needs to be saved, wants to be saved, and for I bear them record. Uh, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. I mean, they've got some passion, but it's just in the the wrong vein, the wrong avenue. It's not focused where God wants them to be. Uh, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, uh, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Uh, for Christ is the end of the law for the right for righteousness to everyone that believeth, and so. Again, they, they, they got caught up in it all, and they somehow got made out to, made out to be, all be about them. Uh, and so they, they were righteous in their own eyes, justified uh, by their own works and their own minds. Uh, that's why Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds the, the righteousness of the Pharisees, you're not going to make it. Uh, that's, that was an insult to them uh, because they thought that they were the stuff. And he says, Well, you gotta get you gotta get better, guys, because whatever you do, your righteousness is as filthy rags. So you keep trying, but it's not gonna the only way you're gonna exceed that righteousness is with through the through the Holy Ghost in your life, which I'm preaching to you, uh, but that they, they, they crucified and killed him. And so um, uh, believing in Christ is the beginning of our walk with him. Because if you don't believe in him and in his words and you really don't you don't have anything, do you? you got just the law left, and you've got your flesh, which neither of them, as we talked about, as Paul talked about, are going to help you uh, defeat the the law and the power of sin. Uh, And so Israel didn't do that, and so that uh, leads us to uh, Christianity's second favorite verse. Number one, we see everywhere what John 3.16, believe in him. And you'll be saved. Uh, Another one that's up there, maybe tied for first, I don't know. But uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, so John three, sixteen, Romans ten nine, Romans ten thirteen, I guess, that all goes together. Uh, so only those it's like it's like Christianity only. You, you turn, you got the Old Testament's this thick, and you turn to the New Testament, and it's got one page. It's got two verses, John 3.16 and Romans 10.9. Just believe, and you're good to go. Uh, the only two verses in the New Testament, throw everything else out, doesn't matter. You don't got to read it. It doesn't apply to you. Just believe, and you are good to go. Nothing else to worry about it, but that that's not the case, is it? It's really uh, the meaning of that verse. Uh, believe and confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. It's a lot deeper uh, than just the surface words there. Uh, because if, if Romans 10 and 9 is the way of salvation, which a lot of churches preach, and it's on their decision card, you fill that out, just confess it. Let us know you confess it, and we'll count our decisions at the end of the service. And, uh, you know, we're having revival. Uh, if that was the way of salvation, then those that talk about Romans 10 9 to you and bring that verse up, that's all you need to do. Then let's take them to another verse that kind of aligns itself with Romans 10 and 9. Because if they want to use Romans 10 9, believe and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. We'll, 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 we'll give them that. But let's flip to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, Haven't done in thy name cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, uh, you're not going to go and try to cast out a devil in Jesus' name if you don't have some kind of faith, some kind of confession. And believe with your mouth and say, you know, in Jesus' name. So we're not talking about, you know, Catholics here because they don't do that. Uh, we're talking about at least some charismatic faith or some some kind of uh, mainstream uh, faith that believe in, in casting out devils and uh, doing many works in his name. In uh, verse 23, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But, uh... Uh, Jesus, uh, I confess with my mouth and believed in my heart, Romans 10, 9. Uh, what's going on here? I need to appeal your decision because I, I did that, Romans 10, 9. But now you're saying, uh, I, I did do that, but now you don't even know who I am. How does this work? Uh, and so Matthew chapter 7, people have done Romans 10 and 9, Right? Uh, they're still confessing with their mouth and telling Jesus of the great works that they've done. And Jesus says, I don't even know who you are. Wow. There's a big whoopsie-daisy somewhere, and it's too late to find out. Uh, and so the real meaning of Romans chapter 10 and 9, John three sixteen, whatever belief verse you want to throw in this basket here, is if you confess with your mouth and your heart that Jesus is Lord, uh, if that really is true, if that's really what you are confessing, then you're not going to have any problem with John 3 and 5, that you must be born again, born of the water and of the Spirit. You're going to have any issue with that, right? Because I believe, I confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart. Uh, and so Jesus says, you need to be born of the water and the Spirit. Ah, no, nope, I don't need to. John three sixteen. Forget about that. Forget about verse 5 and verse 3, Lord. Skip on down to verse 16, and there we go. That's where it is right there. There's the meat of that chapter. Uh, And so if you really believe that, then you're not going to have a problem being baptized in Jesus' name. If you really confess that he is Lord, uh, then you're not going to have a problem being born of the Spirit. Uh, Baptism, that's optional. Uh, Speaking in tongues, that was for the early church. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Eh, my body, my choice. America 2021, right? My body, my choice. America's motto. Uh, I'll do with it what I want to do with it. Uh, follow peace and holiness. Without no man shall see the Lord. Ah, eh, outward holiness doesn't matter. Uh, it's all about the inside. You see, if Jesus was really Lord, those things would really change your life, wouldn't they? Luke 6 and 46, uh, and why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show to him who he is like. He's like a man built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And the flood arose, a stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth my Heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation built a house upon the earth uh, against which the stream did vehemently beat and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. It kind of sounds like Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23 because they heard the word but they didn't do it. They just confessed and say I filled my cart out and I'm good to go. My body, my choice, and I live my life the way I want to live. Even though Jesus is Lord, clearly he's not Lord of my life uh, because uh, I would do what my Lord says. And there's plenty of other verses in the the New Testament besides John 3.16 and Romans 10.9 that I should pay attention to. And so when you realize that there are more than those two verses, you begin to understand why just confessing with your mouth and filling out a card doesn't mean... That you're not going to end up in Matthew 7, 21. Because it's, it's a whole lot more than that, than just believing. That's, that's the easy, easy way out. Believing is one thing, but living it is another thing. Show me your faith by your works. I hear what you're saying, but let me see your life. Uh, I'll know you believe. I'll know that Jesus is Lord of your life just by sitting back and watching what you do. Watching what you say. Watching where you go and how you act and how you look. I'll know, uh, and the world will know if you really believe and confess in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Musicians, if you would come. Romans 11 and 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people, Israel? Has he just forgotten about them? They've rejected him. Has he turned his face and, uh, against them? Uh, God forbid. For I am also an Israelite, the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin, and so it really is, is Israel done for? Because they haven't obeyed the gospel uh, two thousand years ago, and, and not much has changed in two thousand years. And uh, so, are they finished? I mean, they crucified him; they 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 killed their Savior. And so, is there no hope for them? God forbid. Paul says that God used Israel's unbelief and he used their stumbling to be a blessing to the rest of the world. Verse 11, of Romans eleven, eleven. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall just, just, just to fall? God forbid there's a purpose behind it. There's a plan. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. And so Israel missed the message, missed the mark. They failed. And so because of their failure, now an opportunity, a door is now open to the Gentiles. Of, they won't love me and serve me. Let me see if these people will. And it, we, we we know uh, as being uh, of them that Gentiles have done that, have uh, believed on Jesus and and confess and they've lived and uh, obeyed the gospel and lived by the word of God. And so, uh, it's twofold. Obviously, we get the benefit of, of salvation, uh, but also he says that's to provoke Israel's uh, Israel to jealousy because uh, if if these people who who are not really the people of God now are the people of God, that should provoke Israelites to say, "Hey, what's going on here?" Uh, and so, verse 12. Now, if the fall of them, if Israel's failure and crucifixion of him, uh, be the riches of the world, we're blessed. Really, we're blessed because Israel failed and messed up. That's what he's he's pointing out here. The world is blessed because now salvation is available to everybody. So, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them. The riches of the Gentiles, how much more their, their fullness. And so if, if the world was blessed because of they failed, what's going to happen when they wake up? When their eyes are opened and they're no longer blinded and they see Jesus for who he really is. What's going to happen then? Uh, verse 15, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world... What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? And so when, when Jesus cast away Israel, uh, we all uh, were brought to salvation. And so now that we're brought to salvation, what's going to happen when he said, brings his arm back to Israel and he brings them in? Uh, and so verse 16, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy... So are the branches, and if some of the branches be broken off, that's Israel. Uh, if they're broken off of this tree, and thou, being a wild olive tree, that's us. We're uh, we're wild to the this. We're not we're the outsiders. Uh, we're grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Boast not against the branches. Meaning we know Israel messed up and we know that they're blinded by faith and they don't, they don't see Jesus the way that we see him. And he's saying don't, don't, don't boast about that because we're the wild branches. We don't even really technically belong in all this. And so the wild branches don't need to start looking at the natural branches and, and start poking them and making fun of them. Uh, because, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root bear thee. Uh, and so, uh, we we Gentiles, we're, we're only branches in all of this. You look at a tree, it has lots of branches. Gentiles are just a few branches in this tree. We're adopted into this blessing. It's not the branches that support the tree, but it's the roots that hold all of this together and we're not the roots, uh, and so we need to recognize and know, and we know that at the root of root of Jesse, Jesus is the one who is the taproot root, who supports all of this. Uh, uh, and so we're not the roots, and. Uh, This did not begin with us, but yet we're blessed to be here. We're blessed to be a part of this. We're blessed to see him and call him Lord and Savior. We're blessed to be called the children of God. Blessed to be called the people of God. uh, All because of Israel failed and crucified him. That's how we got here. You stand with me tonight. Verse 19, thou wilt say then, Gentiles will say, well, the branches were broken off that I, could be, that I can come in. Well, because of their unbelief, they were broken off. It has nothing to do with you Gentiles. You guys are, you guys are filthy people. There's nothing to do with you guys. Uh, because of their unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith you believed. And so God is drawn to faith. It uh, doesn't matter who you are, your name, your pedigree, what it is. He sees faith and he recognizes faith and he responds to faith. Uh, he says, be not high-minded but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. And so again, it is is humbling, trying to humble the Gentiles. Hey, we're not the natural branches. So we need to be careful what we do and what we say because if God went and broke off the natural branches and took me and put me in, don't think for one second he'll just snap me off and say, hey, you're, you're out of here. Uh, and so uh, before we get too proud and boastful in our faith and belief in him, uh, in Jesus Christ and how Israel, his own people rejected him, if, if, Paul, if, if God did that to his natural people, we need to be mindful of us. Because we're just some adopted branch. We're, we're just taped into this. Uh, you know, we're, we're hanging on by grace. It's the only reason how we're part of this tree. Uh, and so, uh, verse 22. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell, severity. But towards thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise you'll experience the severity of God. You pick your, you pick your side, goodness or severity. Israel is facing severity at the moment because they they're cut off. Uh, we're Gentiles are experiencing the goodness because we're being grafted in and, and welcomed into all this. verse 23 and they also, if they abide not still in unbelief shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. So he's, again, Gentiles were grafted in. But he, he finishes it here. Those that are abide in unbelief, the Jews, the natural branches, they're cut off because they don't believe. But if they just happen to believe, don't think for one second that God won't grab that branch and put it back in. He won't grab he'll grab that branch and bring it, graft it back in. And and so if you and I, if we're grafted into this blessed tree because, because we fell at an altar and we repented of our sins and we are baptized in his name and filled with the Holy Ghost, what do you think is going to happen when the nation of Israel does that? How fast do you think God will be grafting them back into this plan? Because it started with them. It was for them in the first place, uh, if Israel's unbelief crucified Jesus and gave salvation to the rest of the world, what in the world do you think is going to happen when Israel believes? Their unbelief brought all this, all this blessing, their unbelief brought this. What's going to happen when they believe? What's going to happen when they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart? And they are born again and filled with His Spirit. Uh, You know what's going to happen? The Bible, it's going to take a lot for that to happen. But the Bible says it does happen. It does happen when Israel's blindness wears off. After the times of the Gentiles, the door closes for the Gentiles, that comes to an end. Israel's blindness is going to wear off and they're going to wake up. The nation of Israel is gonna wake up and they are gonna to turn to Jesus. Uh, they're gonna see him now as their Messiah. The scales are gonna be off their eyes, and they're gonna see his pierced hands and their pierced his pierced side, the one that they crucified him. And when their eyes are open, they're gonna be they're gonna be down at an altar and repenting. They're gonna be crying out to him to come and save them. And then That's when it happens. That's when it happens. The eastern sky is ripped open because Israel finally believes. And nothing, nothing is going to hold back Jesus from coming back to get his people. And so the sky is ripped open. And he's going to come to earth with the armies of heaven following him. And with the sheer utterance of his voice, all the armies of the world who have gathered together uh, against Israel, they're going to be immediately slaughtered and wiped out. And Jesus will take his rightful throne in Jerusalem, all because Israel finally believes. They finally believed. And and thus, heaven is going to come to earth. And it's gonna usher in eternity and the, the millennial reign and, and things are never gonna be the same. We're we're blessed right now, but they're still in unbelief. Wait till Israel wakes up. Just wait till Israel wakes up. All the world was gonna see Jesus Christ come to this world and all the world's gonna serve him amen, in the millennial kingdom. And so it, it doesn't matter how, how dark it may seem, how grim it is out there in this world. The Bible says, hey, we're just getting started here. Uh, we're already blessed and there's even more blessings to come. So we don't got to worry about anything. We don't got to fear. We got to put our faith in God and know that everything's going to work out because it's coming. His return is soon. He's going to rapture his church out of here. And then the final seven years are coming and Israel's going to wake up, and then it's all going to be the kingdom of heaven on this earth. We've got a lot to be thankful for. We're debtors to the spirit. We're debtors to the word of God. We're debtors to all of this, and we got to praise him. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together tonight. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. We're going to praise him until he comes. Hallelujah, Jesus.
1: This we're going to worship you, Lord. I bring. Give you, Lord, our hearts. We're going to pour ourselves out to you, Jesus. To proclaim your We've been grafted in, Lord.
0: We don't deserve this. We know that, Lord.
1: My we're going to worship you. Hallelujah, without you. Hallelujah. Without you we're nothing, Jesus. You are my sustaining love. We are debtors to you, Lord. I live. Worship you now. Thanks. With lifted hands, worshiping you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, let's worship
0: him. Hallelujah. Let's lift our voice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy, for your love, all that you've done for us, Lord. We are truly a blessed people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. When you, you put all of this together, amen. You really understand what he talks about in chapter eight, how the, this, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Amen. It's, uh, we, we have no idea what's coming, but we know what's good. It's going to be so much better than this, and, and whatever whatever we have to suffer through is going to be worth it. We are a blessed people, and let's remain blessed and remain grafted in, living by faith and following him and his spirit, amen, and we can ex- experience the goodness of God. Amen. So God bless you all. Dismiss in Jesus' name. Let's go continue to be blessed people to this world.